Hi friends, so today I'll be reading third chapter of the book Dare to Win. It's titled Focus Your Energy. Success is creating a state of mind that allows you to obtain whatever it is you really want. Dr. Viktor Frankl, author of Man's Search for Meaning, was one of the few survivors of Auschwitz. He was a German Jewish psychiatrist who somehow managed to live where tens of thousands of others died. With little food or clothing and no medical attention, he was forced to stand by while his fellow prisoners were cremated. Upon being released at war's end, he was asked how he had managed to survive. What parts did he have that others lacked? How had he managed to stay alive? He said to have replied, I always knew that my attitude was my own choice. I could choose to despair or to be hopeful. But to be hopeful, I needed to focus on something I wanted. I focused on my wife's hands. I wanted to hold them one more time. I wanted to look into her eyes one more time. I wanted to think that we could embrace again and be heart to heart one more time. That kept me alive second by second by second. Dr. Frankel did not have more energy available to him than the others at Auschwitz. He said that frequently his entire food ration was one pea in a bowl of soup. But rather than uselessly expend that energy in despairing at what was happening to him and those around him, he focused it on a single goal. He gave himself a reason to survive. And by concentrating on that reason, he was indeed able to survive. He created an attitude of hope for himself. Once his attitude was positive, his mood took care of the rest. It automatically said, today, in order to survive, you must do this and this and that. As long as he stayed focused, he was a survivor. Focusing. Focusing our energies in a single direction can work for us just as it worked for Dr. Frankel. If we want something enough, and if we keep our mind focused on getting it, we will eventually achieve it. Mark reflects. This was brought home to me at a relatively early age by my father. My dad came to United States from Denmark in 1921. He was 17 years old, had an 8th grade education and was trained as a culinary artist to decorate gigantic cakes and other specially ordered baked goods. My father was immediately impressed by the United States as a land of opportunity. Unlike other countries, here you could want something, work for it and get it. He worked hard and while we were never rich, we also were never poor. Dad always said, The free enterprise system means that the more enterprising you are, the freer you are. When I was nine years old, just old enough to ride a bike well, I got a job delivering newspapers, carrying them in a sack from house to house. From my newspaper route, I earned enough money to buy a bicycle magazine, and I devoured it month by month. Long before European bicycle racing gained popularity here, I knew all about the bike styles, the lowered handlebars and racing bikes with thin tires and narrowed seats. I felt that I could be a great cyclist. I was missing only one thing, a racing bike. I determined that my foremost goal in life was to get a racing bicycle. I wanted this bike with my whole heart, mind, body and spirit. 
I had an ideal bike in mind. It was made in England and to this day I can remember the company's slogan, Ride a wheel on Sheffield steel. From the magazine, I cut out a picture of the bike and I kept it next to my bed. Nightly, I went to sleep dreaming about how I would be pedaling 400 miles a week to get into great shape for long-distance bicycle races with the Windy City wheelers between Chicago and Milwaukee. I could see that bike. I could feel it. I believed it. Focused mind power is one of the strongest forces in the universe. But when I went to my father and asked for the bike, my father didn't understand my desire. After some discussion, my dad said, you can have it when you're 21 years old. 21, I'd be an old man by then. I told him, you don't understand. I don't want a bike when I'm 21. I want it now. Children don't believe in the deferred gratification. I kept badgering my father and finally got him to concede to me getting a bike by the age of 16. This, I saw, was as far as he was going to bend. So I brought up an old favorite of my father's, the free enterprise system. I said, can I have the bike now if I earn the money to buy it myself? I'm sure my dad never dreamed that a nine-year-old could earn the huge amount of $175, today roughly equivalent to $1,075. So he had little to lose and he agreed. I wanted that racing bike so badly that in my mind, I already owned it. It's important to totally believe you can achieve your heart's desire. I even visualized cleaning and waxing it weekly. I could almost touch it. I had engaged my mind power. Inside every human mind slash brain complex are abilities that go beyond the normal. These abilities are tapped when we have a white hot desire. They figure out how to get whatever we really want to get. My mind part made it possible for me to see an advertisement in Boy's Life magazine promoting the sale of Christmas cards on consignment. Instantly, my mind made me believe that I could sell the cards. I went to my mother, who was a phenomenally good saleswoman. She had charisma, beauty, a radiant smile, a sincere interest in people, and she was a master storyteller. I asked her if I could sell. She said, not only could you sell, but I'll teach you how. It's important to have a smiling face, see a lot of people, and ask everyone to buy your greeting cards. But it's most important to use the alternate choice clues. Ask your potential buyers, would you prefer one or two boxes of Christmas cards? So I began. I approached my neighbors in the early winter of 1957 with deep snow on the ground, wearing a blue hooded parka, a cold red face and big furry mittens. I went door to door every day and when a mom answered the door, I would wipe my nose on a mitten and ask her if she'd like to buy some cards. How could she refuse that cute little kid with a runny nose? Generally, she'd say, young man, come in here. We can't let you stand out in the cold. Once I got inside, I knew the sale was made. I would explain that I was earning money for my own bicycle. Then I'd ask, Mrs. Shaw, would you prefer one box or two? I was a great salesman, but it's important to understand exactly what I was doing. 
I didn't want to sell 376 boxes of Christmas cards. I had no desire to be the number one greeting card salesman for American greeting cards in the nine-year-old division. I didn't enjoy going door-to-door in the cold. I wasn't interested in any of those things. I was getting my bike, which I did. Focusing produces results. Mark continues, I learned a lot from this experience. I learned the importance of working hard to get what you want. And I learned how to handle money. And after my father took half of what I earned and put it into savings for college, I learned the importance of savings. But most important of all, I learned that if I really wanted something and focused my energy on it, I could tap into my mind power. My mind power would show me the way, instruct me in what to do, so that I could have exactly what I wanted. Once you know what you want, the resources of time, money and people show up. This was undoubtedly the most important lesson of all. Visualization. We hope we've convinced you that focusing our energy really does work. The technique we use is actually called visualization. First, we visualize what we want, then we achieve it. When Arnold Palmer sinks a golf ball, he has said he first visualizes it going into the hole. William Zeckendorf, the real estate multimillionaire, told a journalist he visualized a magnificent building for the United Nations in the heart of New York City. A few short years later, he built it. We recommend you put it on your goal list to visit for a day. Aristotle Onassis always said he was a persistent dreamer slash schemer. He said he saw his first ship in his mind long before he acquired it. He saw himself controlling a fleet of oil tankers before he achieved their ownership. Jack Lalan, the health and fitness king, says he visualized himself as going from a lightweight, unwell youth to a robustly healthy man who would gain fame and fortune by promoting health to others. He's a walking, talking advertisement for the gospel of good health and has been on TV promoting it for more than 40 years. He's even successfully promoted juicers on a TV infomercial. Your belief determines your action and your action determines your results. Better feedback from your results generally improves your attitude and future new results. But first, you have to believe. The list of those who have succeeded by first visualizing their success is almost endless. And it doesn't apply just to the rich and famous. Although, if you keep using it as a principle, you'll probably end up that way yourself. Motivational authority Zig Zagler tells the story of a fellow who came to a seminar he was teaching. The guy said aloud that he thought it was all bunk. He was an enormously fat man, more than 450 pounds. He probably would have left, except that it was difficult for him to stand up and slip out in front of all the people there. The fellow went home and started seeing himself thin. He started seeing himself weighing 250 pounds and he saw himself physically fit. He believed he would be wearing a size 46 suit and over the next six months, he lost a lot of weight. He knew he was a success when one day he was in a shopping center and a little girl said, look mommy, a fat man. 
he turned around automatically and to his heartfelt gratification saw that the little girl wasn't pointing at him but at someone else visualize completely it's important when we are first introduced to visualization that we understand that we must visualize completely carl lewy told reporters he visualized that he would match jesse owens's historic record at the olympics he felt that he would then gain fame and fortune through endorsements well he got what he visualized by equaling owens's record but he got very few endorsement offers after the olympics and many have already forgotten his name in our opinion the problem was that he visualized himself only as matching jesse owens's record he should have visualized himself as breaking it then he'd be known as the all-time olympic record holder and the recognition would have been instantaneous and massive perhaps the best example of complete visualization is walt disney disney envisioned the movies he created before they were filmed in fact he was one of the developers of storyboarding the art of creating a complete storyline on art boards before even beginning a movie walt saw before he acted he saw disneyland in anaheim complete before it was ever built or the ground for it purchased he saw epcot center in florida and disneyland in japan and disneyland in paris yet they weren't built until years after he died walt visualized completely he knew that it doesn't cost any more to dream big than it costs to dream small he understood more clearly than anyone we've ever heard of the power of visualization the two of us worked together on many projects simultaneously and we storyboard what we want on a gigantic white wall we put yellow post-its on the wall declaring our to-dos we later prioritize them and mark off our victories whenever we get together you create your own word disney's reputed to have required his staff to meet every morning at 7:30 at their burbank studios and follow this ritual they would point to their temples and say my imagination creates my reality how right he was the word we live in is the combined images of all of our human minds we have made the word into what it seems to be for us we fly have cars and houses sleep in beds have air conditioning spend money go to work in the morning not because all this is a part of natural order of the universe but because we invented it first we visualized it and then we collectively caused it to exist if we stop believing that all these things exist then they'll stop existing for us there is no time and no space there is only our minds and what they create that's why for example the word as seen by the native americans with its animal powers was so different from our own this is best seen and understood in a brilliant film called the gods must be crazy we encourage you to get it at your video store or public library it shows a pygmy tribe living in peace and harmony in the kalahari desert when a pilot throws a coke bottle in their midst and totally disturbs their serenity and tranquility it's a mind expanding humorous story 
no one saw this more clearly than Socrates, who could often be found sitting outside the city of Athens greeting strangers. One day, a stranger came up to him and said, I would like to live in your city. What kind of people does it have? Socrates replied, What kind of people are in the city you've come from? To which the man replied, Oh, they're not very nice. They lie, cheat and steal. That's why I'm moving out. Socrates, in his wisdom, replied, It's the same way here. If I were you, I'd keep looking. A short time later, another man came up and asked about the people in Athens. Socrates again asked the man about his own city. The second man replied, They're wonderful. They always help each other. They are truthful and industrious. I just thought I'd like to see other parts of the world. Socrates, in his wisdom, replied this time, It's the same way here. Why don't you go into the city? You'll find it just as you imagine it should be. When we move, we bring our attitudes, ideas and images with us wherever we go. Why not work to improve them now and always? In always? It has been said that the great mandate of our word is not to set things right, but to see things right. Seven steps to visualization. Visualization is the process of seeing within your mind. It is one of the most powerful principles available for creating your future. It works to convert sickness into health, fat people into thin people, losers into winners. It even works to help governments turn the economy around. This latter use was made clear when Abbey Bean was mayor of New York. He seemed to lack both the power of visualization and vision. The day Mark went bankrupt, 19,000 people were laid off across the city and Mayor Beam announced that New York City itself was going bankrupt. That kind of thinking and verbalization repels businesses. It almost did. Then the city got a new mayor, Ed Koch. Mayor Koch said business was great. He saw that business was great. Thinking positively in terms of possibilities instead of doom and gloom, he began acting positively. And before long, business started coming back to New York. And it was great again. Positive thinking, believing, speaking and achieving attracts business, personally, corporately and governmentally. The power of visualization is limited only by your resourcefulness. We all visualize naturally to some extent. Most people ask to close their eyes and see their car, their homes or their refrigerators can do so easily and effortlessly. Even blind people tell us that they can see slash feel their life experiences. The problem is that most people project only negative visualization. I hope I don't get the cold she has. What if I have an accident? God, what if I can't pay my mortgage? My parents will kill me if they find out I'm pregnant. He won't call. I'll be late and get fired. Everything I eat turns into fat. I'm not good enough. There are no parking spaces left. These folks expect bad results. Why are they surprised when they arrive? We need to practice positive visualization if we want to produce positive results. I'm healthy and I'm going to stay that way. My bills always get paid. 
he'll be calling soon. I watch what I eat carefully and it keeps me trim. I'm a terrific person. I'm happy. I'm successful. I'm loving, loved and beloved. With such positive visualizations, can positive results be far behind? One thought at a time. Since we won't always be visualizing some specific goal, it's important that we create a bountiful master visualization that allows us to grow, develop and flourish in every area of our life, health, family, finance, social life, recreation, spiritual and mental acuity. It should become a habit. We should practice thinking, feeling and seeing positively. Many of us already visualize, but we do it in the form of a bad mental habit, like worrying, for example. When we are not focused on some specific task or train of thought, we tend to lapse into a state of non-productive and negative worry. Your mind can only hold one dominant thought at a time. Think positively, creatively, imaginatively and constructively. To replace a bad habit like worry, we need to transplant in its place a good habit like visualizing ourselves as calm, cool, poised, centered and collected in every situation. Since we own our imagination, we can discipline it positively and correctly if we decide to do it. The visualization process. This process is not only painless but joyful. You can use it to open up your life to widening horizons, to purposes and possibilities that will enable you to serve yourself and your fellow man in increasingly wondrous ways. Step 1. The inhalation step. Relaxed awakeness. Put yourself in a comfortable position, perhaps sitting in your favorite chair. Have music gently playing in the background at 60 beats per minute. Baroque music like Packabell's Canon in D or music like Dr. Stephen Halpern's Spectrum Suit. Great music deepens and enriches the experience. The best position if you can master is the Indian lotus position, cross-legged on the floor with the palms of your hands upward, your ankles on your thighs. This posture, once mastered and made comfortable, affords the body the best circulation and most concentrated use of the mind. If it's too difficult for you, you may sit in a chair or lie on your back. Should you choose to recline in bed, push back sleep until you're finished creatively visualizing. Then it's okay to fall immediately into a deep sleep. When you're positioned comfortably, begin inhalation. This is deep breathing that relaxes you totally and absolutely. Inhale through your nose. Take in this breath slowly while concentrating on the experience of inhaling. While you're inhaling, notice the life force energy of the air you're breathing. It has the potential to empower you once you recognize it. Fill your lungs and hold it for 30 seconds, silently affirming to yourself, I'm relaxed. Then exhale through your mouth. Then take another breath and with each inhalation, take the breath deeper into your body. Most people breathe in a very shallow way. Really fill your lungs. While you're holding your breath this time, silently state the affirmation, I love, I'm loving and beloved. You should feel the 
intoxication of your spirit with this ingestion of oxygen and the verbalization of love on the third inhalation feel your breath fill every atom of your being suck the air all the way into your toes hold it for 30 seconds affirming silently i'm totally self confident then slowly let it out as you continue practicing this exercise on a daily basis your body mind and spirit will begin to come alive in new and wonderful ways since most of us are living far below our potential because no one has awakened us to it this technique allows us to suddenly sense what we might be and thus it becomes positively addictive once fully experienced now resume normal breathing and proceed to step 2 step 2 open your inner eye to the stage of your imagination the inner eye is the eye of vision and imagination all of life is created in the workshop of this eye an opened inner eye is essential to our growth as a fully functioning no limit self actualizing person with our inner eye open we can see or visualize all that we can become to begin picture yourself on the stage of a theater If you have trouble seeing yourself you may need a favorable photograph of yourself that you can glance at just before you close your outer eyes your pictured self is center stage while you in the audience sit watching lights up curtain up action now make your stage self begin acting out whatever it is you want perhaps you'd like to have a new car allow your inner eyes to produce the car on stage your stage self drinks in the deep color runs his or her hand over the polished surface you see your stage self get into the new car and smell that new car odor you turn on the engine and the stereo feel the steering wheel and away you go as you press the accelerator of your new car As you gain expertise with this stage technique you can graduate to picturing yourself in the movies or on video now the limitations of a stage setting disappear you can use your imagination and be out driving that car across snowy mountains and through green fields you may even advance to the point where you have split screen or 3d images Another variation is to imagine walking down to the stage or into the movie and becoming one with the self you were previously observing. Psychologists call this associated visualizing, which is more powerful than the disassociated observing. Once again, make sure you include sounds, feelings, sensations and smells. Include all of your five senses as much as possible. step 3 use your past experiences once we've advanced to the point where we can visualize the future we desire we can move on to the next stage which allows us to call on past experiences to help us actualize that future our minds are like a videotape library they contain a complete record of all our experiences this fact kept Captain Gerald Coffey alive in a POW concentration camp 
in Vietnam for seven years. Captain Coffee began by visualizing repeatedly what it would be like when he was free again. He then recalled old videotaped images from his past when he was free. Finally, he superimposed one on the other. The visualizing which he did day and night was so total that he was able to stay alive and sane until he was finally freed in reality. Captain Coffey visualized that he had faith in America, faith in his fellow servicemen, faith in God and faith in himself. He visualized that he would teach about that when he was released. He's a magnificent speaker and helps people understand why our military peacekeepers are important. We hope you make a goal to hear Captain Coffey speak. Call him at 808-488-1776 for his speaking schedule. We can use our minds to play back experiences and impressions that we've recorded almost since we were born. We can then use these recordings to embellish, solidify and give power to the goal we are visualizing. This is easy to do. While focusing on your particular goal, let into your mind seemingly extraneous but nevertheless relevant thoughts. The mind acts like a gigantic filter. It goes back through our past experiences and brings to the surface memories that might be useful in the future. Step 4. Change the past. The good news is that if you don't like the video being played across your mind, you can change it. It's never too late to have a happy childhood or a happy life experience. You can reproduce, rewrite, review and re-script what happened in the past and make it the way you want it to be. For example, not long ago, Mark and his wife took up downhill skiing. She loved downhill but hated cross-country. It's too much like work. Mark, on the other hand, was just the opposite. He loved cross-country and feared downhill. I'm afraid I'll crash into a tree, Mark said. Each of these reactions could have been predicted if Mark and his wife had been able to run the old tapes that were locked into their minds. Because buried deep within our subconscious are the seed thoughts that grow and rule our present. Mark was determined to try downhill even though he feared it. Then, when he got on the ski lift, disaster hit. Arriving at the top of the mountain, he inadvertently plunged his right ski into the hardened snow and somersaulted right on top of the bogus basin in Idaho. He was humiliated, hurt and chagrined as the lift operator stopped and suspended all the skiers on the chairlift in midair, allowing him time to struggle to his feet. He finally stood up, but his skiing abilities stayed down. Mark's mind was visualizing everything going wrong by this time, but he knew how to snowplow. So he did just that, fearfully, hesitantly and sweatily, all the way down the mountain. Even though he was being watched and helped by an experienced teacher who constantly kept reassuring him that he really could do it. His fear was greater than his faith on that trip. 
he puzzled over the why of it. He had cross-country skied in Estes Park, Colorado, Lake Tahoe, California, Mount Hood, Oregon, Fairbanks, Alaska, and many other places and had done it very well. So why could he not even begin to get started on downhill skiing? Mark used the visualization techniques described here to focus on downhill skiing. While doing so, he allowed other videos to surface in his memory. To his amazement, what popped into his mind was a movie that he didn't even know he owned and that he had input years earlier. It showed a person he was very close to who had crashed into a tree and had been put into a cast from head to toe. That experience in his subconscious was keeping his fear level high and preventing him from becoming any sort of downhill skier. So in the theatre of his mind, he pulled out his brain cell video titled Downhill Skiing. He metaphorically opened the video container, pulled out the tip of the old tape, lit a match to it and burned it up and out of his experience. He then inserted a new blank tape. Using his imagination, he rewrote Downhill Skiing. He saw himself as an expert skiing down the slopes. Using the techniques that will follow, he made it vivid. Then he programmed in the exhilarating feeling he experiences when he cross-country skis. He saw himself wonderfully poised, tremendously excited and vibrantly alive, going downhill without fear. Then he tried downhill skiing once again, and this time it was a success. 80 Holes in His Mind Major James Nesmith, whom Bette Decker writes about, had a dream of improving his golf game, and he developed a unique method of achieving his goal. Until he devised this method, he was just your average weekend golfer, shooting in the mid to low 90s. Then, for seven years, he completely quit the game, never touched a club, never set foot on a fairway. Ironically, it was during this seven-year break from the game that Major Nesmith came up with his amazingly effective technique for improving his game, a technique we can all learn from. In fact, the first time he set foot on a golf course after his hiatus from the game, he shot an astonishing 74. He had cut 20 strokes off his usual average without having swung a golf club in seven years. Unbelievable. Not only that, but also his physical condition had actually deteriorated during those seven years. What was Major Nesmith's secret? Visualization. You see, Major Nesmith had spent those seven years as a prisoner of war in North Vietnam. During those seven years, he was imprisoned in a cage that was approximately four and a half feet tall and five feet long. During almost the entire time he was imprisoned, he saw no one, talked to no one, and experienced no physical activity. During the first few months, he did virtually nothing but hope and pray for his release. Then he realized he had to find some way to occupy his mind or he would lose his sanity and probably lose his life. That's when he learned to visualize. In his mind, he selected his favorite golf course and started playing golf.
Every day, he played a full 18 holes at the imaginary country club of his dreams. He experienced everything to the last detail. He saw himself dressed in his golfing clothes. He smelled the fragrance of the trees and the freshly trimmed grass. He experienced different weather conditions. Windy spring days, overcast winter days, sunny summer mornings. In his imagination, every detail of the tea, the individual blades of grass, the trees, the singing birds, the scampering squirrels, the lay of the course became totally real. He felt the grip of the club in his hands. He instructed himself as he practiced smoothing out his downswing and the follow through on his shot. Then he watched the ball arc down the exact center of the ferry, bounce a couple of times and roll to the exact spot he had selected, all in his mind. In the real world, he was in no hurry. He had no place to go. So in his mind, he took every step on his way to the ball, just as if he were physically on the course. It took him just as long in imaginary time to play 18 holes as it would have taken in reality. Not a detail was omitted. Not once did he ever miss a shot, never a hook or a slice, never a missed putt. Seven days a week, four hours a day, 18 holes, seven years, 20 strokes off, shot a 74. Can it really be that easy? Those who are unfamiliar with the technique we've just described may find it incredible. If you feel that way yourself, we offer another example, one that has received some spectacular publicity in recent years. What we are speaking of is rebirthing. Rebirthing is a psychological regression technique created by Leonard Orr and Sandra Ray that takes us back to the time we were born. If there was pain, anguish, trauma, hatred or hurt, the rebirther can help us overcome it. Mark happened to be in Hawaii on a speaking tour and one of his fellow speakers asked permission to bring in a rebirther. Mark had heard of fantastic results from rebirthing but he was skeptical and thought it was perhaps nothing more than psychological mumbo-jumbo. But he agreed to go through it along with 60 others. They went through deep breathing as a group. Then, with their express permission, they individually entered into a deep hypnotic trance watched carefully by the rebirther. Within seconds, Mark found himself in a fatal position. To his amazement, he clearly experienced himself watching on two screens of his imagination simultaneously, something that he'd never previously done. He was both the man he is now and the infant he was at birth, still inside his mother, something that Einstein called all at oneness. Mark's birth had been pleasant. His mother had been told by the doctors that she couldn't get pregnant again after the birth of his older brother. But she did with Mark and his little brother and she wanted them so much that she called them miracle children. The rebirthers said that if one's birth was a piece of cake as Mark's was, they should beam their memories forward to a time of possible slash probable complication and then work on it. 
Mark's mind light beamed forward to age three on a Sunday afternoon. It was his father's only day off from the bakery he owned and operated with a vigilant Puritan work ethic. He was lying on their sofa holding him and hugging him. At the baker, he had contracted painful, knuckle-expanding and motion-restricting arthritis. In a pre-verbal empathy for his dad, Mark feelingly stated, Daddy, you don't have to have that arthritis. I'll take it from you. In his youthful naivety, he locked into an erroneous belief that would have ultimately created arthritis in his own body. As he looked at that in his rebirthing state, he started sweating profusely. Mark remembers one of the rebirthers confronting him with a cool towel and repeatedly saying, Release it and let it go permanently. It's over and done with. He did, and it was. He banished from the kingdom of his awareness that sick thought and along with it the possible beginning of his future arthritis. Note, rebirthing and psychological regression techniques should be administered only by practitioners who you know are trustworthy, have integrity and no vested interest. If you are going to use this sophisticated visualization technique, get a master to lead you over under, around, or through your blockages. Rebirthing is an extreme example of rewriting the script. To a much lesser degree, we can do it ourselves by the method we've suggested. Just find the negative video and give it a new script. It worked for Mark for downhill skiing, to name only one instance. It can work for your goals as well. Step 5. Use all your senses. When you make or remake a videotape of the imagination, employ all five of your senses, taste, touch, smell, vision and hearing. Each modality you use will heighten the impact of the process. Make sure you use all of your senses individually. For vision, make your imagined screen as big as the best movie theater you've ever pictured. Make it alive with the vibrant technology of the scientific age. Add the equivalent of Dolby or Lucas sound so that you can hear everything perfectly. Allow aromas to suffuse your olfactory senses. Touch it. Feel the texture, the grain, the warmth or coldness of it. If it's edible, taste it. Put it to your tongue and imagine its taste. Now combine the senses in one glorious sensual experience of what you're imagining. If it's freshly made organic carrot juice, smell the aroma and enjoy the taste. Look at the dark orange color and feel it go down your throat, nourishing you at a cellular level. For those who are just starting, sometimes it is easier to first determine which of your inner senses is the most sensitive and then start with that. For example, if touch is the easiest for you to imagine, begin by feeling the sun kissing your face as you hold a photo or some other representation of your goal. Step 6. Start with the end result. When you use your mind's eye, work on the result you want to achieve and then expand into all the small steps before and afterward. Don't forget the rewards. Mary Lou Retton's goal was to win a gold medal at the Olympics. She wanted it dearly and saw it completely. 
she worked out the writing of a visualization with our colleague and friend, Dr. Dennis Waitley. She is said to have repeated the visualization 10,000 times. She saw herself relaxed. She told herself, I have the right to be here. She saw herself go through every motion letter perfectly. I see myself coming off the high bars with poised elegance. I see myself throw my arms victoriously into the air. I see mom with tears of joy streaming down her face. I see the digital scoreboard reading out a perfect 10. I see the audience giving me a tumultuous standing ovation. I see myself getting a contract from VTs for $3 million. The center of her focus was getting over the bars, but she extended her imagination in both directions until she saw the entire process as clearly as if it were actually happening right before her. Actually doing it was simply repeating something she had already done 10,000 times in her mind. Step 7. Conclusion Closing a visualization should be ritualistic if it is to be productive. You should use the same closing each time regardless of what you have visualized. The closing should be both relaxed and inspiring. It should uplift us at the same time, truly make clear that we have finished a transcendent experience. Our recommendation is that you conclude with these words. And so it is. It cannot be otherwise. And I rejoice because of it. Thank you, God.